day. Amen. He's a God that can do exceedingly and abundantly above all we could ever ask or even begin to think. What a God we serve. And I'm thankful that I feel him in the house today. Amen. I give honor to your pastor and his family today. Uh, I will concur. They are good friends of ours. And we love the Dornbox very well, very much. And in fact, uh, unexpectedly, we, we were later in getting here uh, yesterday evening and and uh, all the kids were bummed because they had play activities planned. But uh, it's good to be in the house of the Lord. Good to be with brother and sister Dornbach. Good to be with each and every one of you. I'm thankful for what I feel. Amen. I'm believing for God to just be God. It's that simple. I'm just going to believe God to be God. Well, what, what, what can happen when God shows up? Anything is possible when God walks into the room. Blind eyes can be seen. Deaf ears can begin to hear. The lame can begin to walk. The dead can be raised to life. Amen. With God, all things are possible. Praise God. Amen. What an unprecedented day that we're living in. The more the enemy throws at us, it seems the more God shows out for us. Amen. I told someone just a few days ago, everything that's happening in the natural world is a reflection of what's going on in the spiritual world. There is a war that's taking place today. But I just want to be the bearer of good news today. Read the back of the book. We've already won. All we've got to do is rejoice in him. Celebrate him. Amen. In fact, the apostle Paul, he said it like this. If I had hope in this life only, I'd be among all men most miserable. But my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus Christ and his righteousness. I'm just going to tell you this life is not going to play fair. It's not going to play by the rules. But it is Christ in us, which is the hope of glory. Thank you, brother, for that, that great lesson today on uh, new birth on being born again. Amen. I'm glad that there, is, there you are. I'm glad that there is hope beyond this day, this hour, this life. Praise God. Amen. I kind of feel like, I feel like the little girl, to be honest with you, that was in school and the teacher asked everyone in the classroom that day to draw something that was special to them, that was uh, very meaningful to them. And, and so they began to draw different things, you know, cars, bicycles, puppy dogs, you, you name it. They drew different things. And the teacher's walking around the classroom, and she came upon this one little girl that, that was drawing something in it, 
And it piqued the teacher's interest, and she said, finally, what are you drawing? The little girl, she just kind of nonchalantly kept drawing and spoke to the teacher, and she said, I'm drawing God. <laughs> the teacher kind of was taken aback because that wasn't the house or the bicycle, you know, or the puppy that everybody else was maybe drawing. But and she finally said, how can you draw God? Nobody's ever seen him. I love simple faith, Brother Dornbach. This little girl, she just spoke back to the teacher very quickly. She said, well, just give me a minute and everybody will know what he looks like. I believe that message and that lesson still reigns real today. No matter what is going on out there, I just got a message for everybody and anybody. Step into the power of God. Step into the Shekinah glory of heaven. And you'll begin to realize there is hope. There is victory. There is deliverance. There is joy. There is power. Praise God. Praise God. If you've got your Bibles today, turn with me very quickly to the book of Ezekiel chapter 37. And I'm just going to tell you, if it's all right, I'm, I'm going to be like an airplane today. Or, excuse me, I'm not going to be like an airplane. I'm going to be like a helicopter, if that's all right. We're just going to jump up. Get up to where God has for us to go and get where we need to. Uh, I sat in, a, in an airplane on the tarmac for about two hours one time. And I thought, you know what? I, I love flying, but I don't want to sit on the air, the, 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 what do you call that thing? The runway forever. And then finally get to where we need to go. I realize I'm the only thing standing between you and lunch. So I'm going to be like a helicopter today, but I do feel God has something for us if we'll allow him. Let me say that again. I do believe God has something for us today if we'll allow him. And whether you're in this auditorium or you're viewing online, the holy power of God can move in this place. It can move into living rooms. It can move anywhere and change lives. Ezekiel chapter 37. Ezekiel chapter 37. Begin reading verse 24. And David, my servant, shall be king over them. And they all shall have one shepherd. They shall also walk in my judgments and observe my statutes. And I like these three words, and do them. Verse 25. And they shall dwell in the land that I have given unto Jacob my servant, wherein your fathers have dwelt, and they shall dwell therein, even they and their children and their children's children forever. And my servant David shall be their prince forever. Verse 26. Moreover, I will make a covenant of peace with them. It shall be an everlasting covenant with them. Come on, somebody. 
and I will place them. That means where you are, God put you there. I will place them and multiply them and set my sanctuary in the midst of them forevermore. Verse 27. My tabernacle also shall be with them. Yea, I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Verse 27 or 28. And the heathen shall know that I, the Lord, do sanctify Israel. When my sanctuary shall be in the midst of them forever. What that means is you can have church on aisle four in Walmart. You can have a move of God in the red light sitting in your automobile. Come on, somebody. You can see the power of God fall while you're sitting in the waiting room of a hospital. There is no place the promises of God will not be for you. Lord, I love you today. I thank you for your power, for your presence. I believe, God, that you'll just move and minister in this place. Touch every heart to receive, every ear to hear God and speak through me. I ask it in the name of Jesus. And I give you the praise for it right now. Amen. God bless you. Thank you for standing. You can be seated in the name of the Lord. When we read from Ezekiel chapter 37, we begin to understand that the power of God is not relative to our environment. It's not relative to our atmosphere. It's not relative to how we feel. And it's not relative to what we see. But it is contingent upon one thing and one thing only. And that is the power of the Word of God. In spite of the pain, His power is still present. In spite of the valley, His power and His Word still reigns supreme. But as you begin to read through, and I'm going to hasten here, but as you begin to read through the 37th chapter of Ezekiel, you begin to read about the story and you'll begin to find how that the valley of dry bones was there. As you begin to read throughout the book of Ezekiel, you find the story how that the Lord translated Ezekiel into the valley of dry bones. And many times when you hear sermons about the valley of dry bones, and you speak about this, this particular illustration, it's to let people know that no matter what you've been through, you're not going to be beaten. You may feel derailed, but you're still not going to be defeated. As you begin to read this, you begin to understand that it's not just because of an angelic presence or a divine visitation from God, but as the Lord told Ezekiel, speak the word. 
But, Lord, you don't see what I'm standing in the middle of. Speak the word. But you don't understand what's been going on in my world. First of all, the Lord put him there. Come on, somebody. The Lord put him there. God knew full well where he was at. God knew full well what he was in the middle of. The Lord said, now, Ezekiel, speak the word. And as Ezekiel began to speak, it never said he fundamentally believed it for himself, Brother Dornbach. It didn't say that he was beside himself with great faith. No, it simply says he obeyed what the Lord had said. And as he spoke in obedience, the anointing of heaven swept into the valley and changed what had began to be looked at as unchangeable. I'm here to tell somebody today. I told you I was going to be like a helicopter, so just bear with me. But I feel in the Holy Ghost to tell somebody, regardless of what is around you, upon you, or against you, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. And it's time to start speaking some things. Lord, in 2021, I speak revival in Refuge Church. In 2021, I speak revival in my family. When you began to read and you began to realize the message that Ezekiel was given and the directive that Ezekiel was given, Impossible became possible. And God was showing you may be in what is a graveyard of your life, but God has the power to resurrect dead dreams, dead visions, and bring revival and resuscitation where the enemy's been telling you the impossible is all you can expect. You may wonder, well, how is it possible that we can step into the middle of our chaos and in the middle of our confusion and we can still have an overwhelming and conquering calm? How is it that we can see the God of glory take nothing and through the process and the power of his word and the operation of his spirit turn nothing into something powerful and great? It's because God is bigger than your issue and he's bigger than your problem. And his word said, I'll be your God. You'll be my people and the sanctuary shall dwell within you. I was coming out of the Orlando, Florida area and I'd been in revival there and the pastor had taught me into, you know, confession's good for the soul, I guess. The pastor had taught me into buying a motorcycle. Do not let pastor talk you into buying a motorcycle. Just teasing. But he did. He taught me in about a motorcycle and the trailer, and I was excited. Now, my mama told me when I was a kid, you can't have a motorcycle. 
But in case you hadn't noticed, I'm not a, I've been a long time away from being a kid. So bought this motorcycle. I was excited. I was pulling the motorcycle to my parents' house in Alabama. And, uh, you know, it was late one evening, and I still had a schedule that I had to keep. I was going to be catching a flight out of, of Birmingham, Alabama. And, and so I had a schedule, but everything was perfect according to my plans. Everything was exactly the way I scheduled them to be because I'm doing the work of the Lord. I'm where God wants me to be. And I've got this motorcycle and this trailer. And I already told the Lord, okay, God, thank you for this. Now I'm going to drop it off at mom and dad's and I'm going to enjoy it for a minute. Then i got time. I'm going to get on the airplane. I'm going to fly out and we're going to have revival and everything's going to be great. I was telling God how he needed to be. Somewhere between Florida and Alabama, around midnight or so, a tire on my motorcycle trailer blew out. And I thought, well, that's not a problem. I pulled off the side of the road because I knew I had a spare, but the spare was dry rotted and flat. I thought, well, I'm not going to abandon this motorcycle and this trailer and head on out, but I got a schedule to keep. So, you, you know, I did what every child of God does in predicaments like that. I prayed and I called AAA. And AAA said, I'll be there. We'll be there within 45 minutes to an hour. I thought, well, we're still good. Everything's awesome. Everything's powerful. I'm still on schedule. I'm still exactly, you know, in the, in the, in the time frame I need to be operating in. And, and I was okay. I was sitting there. And about two and a half hours later, I was still sitting there. Until finally, a Florida State Patrol pulled in behind me with his lights flashing. And the biggest man I've ever seen in my life gets out of the automobile. I don't care who you are. When the popo shows up, you start checking yourself. I mean, the big man, the lawman gets out, comes up to the vehicle, and I had all the papers and everything, and I, I said, here, here, here it is. Uh, what's going on? He said, he said, son, do you know where you are? I said, yes, sir, I'm in the middle of nowhere. He said, no, you're on the most deadly stretch of Florida interstate in the entire state. More carjackings and murders take place on this stretch of the highway than anywhere. Under my breath, I begin to say, well, God, I thought you were in charge. I thought you were directing my steps. And I told the, I told the state trooper, I said, well, I've called AAA. They, they, they said they'd be here a little while back. He said, well, I can't leave you until they get here. It's too dangerous. The area is too volatile. He said, why don't you come back and sit in my vehicle? I've never sat in a police car in my life, and I didn't look forward to that time. But I got to sit in the front seat, thank God. I sat in the front seat, and between him and me was a shotgun as big as I was. His handgun was kind of propped up because he's a big man. And it was kind of pointing in my direction. 
I was not comfortable at all. But I was still praying, God, I got a time frame. I got to get where I need to go. You need to help this AAA business take care of it. But then I noticed something underneath and around the shotgun. There was a Bible there in the console. We're just killing time and and invariably uh, it gets around to, um, I know she have a Bible. Do you read it much? He said, I read it as much as I can. He said, but I don't understand everything. And he asked me, he said, what do you do for a living? I just take motorcycles on desolate, death-mongering highways. No. I told her, I said, well, I'm a preacher. That big man looked over me. He said, son... I believe you're the man I've been praying for. What? I'm in the middle of chaos. I'm in the middle of a problem. I'm in the middle of something trying to keep me from my schedule doing the will of God. But he looked over me and he said, I believe you're the man I've been praying for. He said, can we talk about the Bible for a minute? I said, yes, sir, let's talk about the Bible. Tears begin to roll down his face. I won't bore you with all the details, but I will end it with this. He said, is the word of God true? I said, every bit of it. From the book of Genesis to the book of Revelations, it's all true. He said, can I feel God the way I've read how they felt God in the Bible? He said, is it just for then or is it for now? I said, he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. The Holy Ghost, it was a bad stretch of highway. It was the darkest part of the night. But God began to sweep into that into that state trooper's automobile. And I spoke to the man, to the state trooper. I said, sir, would it be all right? Would you be offended if we just prayed right here and right now? That the God that you've read about touches you and ministers to you right here. He said, please pray. Tears begin to roll down his face. I laid my hands on his head. I began to call on the name that's above every name. And right there in the middle of nowhere, God filled him with the Holy Ghost. Come on, somebody. I don't care where you find yourself. I don't care what you're going through. I don't care the problem. God is able. Come on, somebody. Get ready. Get ready. Get ready. God wants to do some things. God wants to move. I'm rejoicing. We're both rejoicing. Praising God in the the cab of that state trooper's car. I mean... He's got his hands up. He's praying. (coughs) It's not COVID. I just got choked. (coughs) State trooper looked at me. 
He said, you think it'd be crazy? You think it'd be all right if we got out of this car? He said, there ain't much room in this car. And if we just thank God for what he done, I'm telling you, it must have set radars and red alerts all over hell. When on the murderous stretch of highway in the state of Florida, in the darkest of night, in the middle of a problem with a tire and a delinquent AAA, hell thought, I've got him where I want him. I put him in a problem he can't get out of. The whole time, God was saying, that's my plan. Check. That's exactly what I wanted to happen. Check. Everything's in place. Check. And like a puzzle, God put the pieces together. And right there on the side of the road, we begin to lift our hands toward God and magnify the Lord and praise the Lord. I don't know what happened after that. About that time, AAA showed up and everything took care of itself. But it dawned on me. Had I not had a blowout, Brother Dornbach, I'd have never stopped where I stopped. And the state trooper would have never got what he was seeking and searching for. I didn't see it. I didn't understand it. I didn't realize what was going on. But God, in his perfect wisdom, had a plan. Hey, you just stay with me, Bubba, because I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. I'll do the impossible if you'll allow me. I wonder today what God has in store for 2021. My Lord, what a, what a horrible year 2020 turned out to be. But I'm telling you, in spite of everything, revival still broke out. Churches still seen the blessings of God. I'm ready for 2021 to do the Impossible through God. But you see, we labor with great diligence. And we labor with great attention to detail. In living our life. In walking through every aspect of our life. And too often, I've even been the one preaching about Ezekiel in the Valley of Dry Bones. I want to preach with descriptive detail how dry the bones were, how long they had been out in the sun, bleached, scattered, to the point that you begin to tell things like this. Hell danced upon the demise of what once was, but now isn't. I preached it. I proclaimed it. Devils rejoiced in the midst of the mayhem and the madness of the broken bones as they were a constant reminder, no matter what you once were, you will never be that again. 
But into that crazy situation where the devil thought everything was exactly the way he wanted it, God placed Ezekiel. Because God had a plan. Hear me today. No matter where you are, no matter what you're wrestling with, God has a plan. But too often when we preach about Ezekiel and the Valley of Dry Bones, we shout about it, we talk about it, we rejoice about it. Then we close the Bible, put our notes away, we pat each other on the back and we go home. Having heard the story once again, they were scattered, they came together, and then everything was victorious. Can I tell you today, there's more to the story for what God wants to do in your life than just that. I'm not here today to just talk about the valley of bones. I want to start today where most of the times we stop. I'm not preaching about dry bones. I'm not here to prophesy to dry bones. But I'm here to speak to the people of the Most High God who has a God that is ever faithful. I'm here to preach to a group of men and women who walked in here, who are listening in under every condition, under every circumstance of life. That in spite of the struggle, in spite of the disappointment, in spite of the trial and the tribulation, in spite of the pain, in spite of the peril, or even the pandemic, God has anointed and God has appointed each and every one of us for such a time as this. I want somebody to hear me today. If you've walked in here depressed and distressed, if you've walked in here fretful or fearful or even maybe wounded and worried, and the devil's perched up on your shoulder, you wouldn't be dealing with that if God loved you. You wouldn't be wrestling with that if God cared about you. If God loved you, everything would be perfect. Turn to that one beside you and just tell him. Mm -hmm. You see, too often we think when we come to God, everything's going to be perfect. Every day is going to be a perfect spring or summer day. Every day in living for God, birds will sing. Butterflies will flutter around and we'll just see rainbows 24 hours a day. After all, I'm a child of God. I don't have problems. I don't have issues. I don't have hiccups or hangups. And I'm going to be, and I'm going to date myself right here. I'm going to be like a dude named Tiny Tim. You talked about Kansas. I'm going to talk about Tiny Tim. Tiny Tim had a song he played, the little ukulele violin thing. He was a weird looking dude. Not because of the violin, but everything else. But he sang this old song. How many knows what I'm talking about? Yeah, I knew I wasn't alone. Come on. Tiptoe through the tulips with me. Yeah. I know my wife said I wasn't born back then. 
Yeah, whatever. But we think, oh, I'm a child of God. Every day is going to be tiptoe through the tulips with me. Come on. We start thinking, man, if I can just sign on with Jesus, whoa, it's going to be awesome. We're going to be Holy Ghost high five until the rapture. But then the first problem comes on. And the devil jumps on our shoulder. Where's your tiptoeing at now? Where's your dancing at now? Where's your victory at now? God don't love you. God doesn't care for you. And suddenly we become these children of God. Yes, we know the Lord. But we, you ever seen them? You see them in the store. You see them at the mall. You see them, you know, on the job. You may see them in the mirror. Their theme song isn't, I've got a feeling everything's going to be all right. No, no. They got a frown on their face. Why don't you come to my church? At our church, it's awesome. Yay. And they start singing this song. Maybe y'all have heard it. Gloom, despair, agony on me. Deep, dark depression, low down misery. If it weren't for bad luck, I'd have no luck at all. Gloom, despair, and agony on me. And we wonder why we're not turning our world upside down. We wonder why our own children don't want what we got. We wonder why our neighbors ain't ever, pardon my Alabama coming through. But we wonder why our neighbors ain't ever wanting to know one thing about Jesus. We want to know, why don't our co-workers ever want to talk to me about the Lord? Maybe it's because what you have, they're running from. But if we can let them understand, hey... I'm not going to ask you what kind of week you had, what kind of day you had, or what kind of weekend you had, or what kind of year last year you had. But I want to tell you, at a place called Refuge Church, there is a joy, there is a peace, there is a happiness. Our God is mighty. Our God is powerful. If you've got an addiction, God can break that addiction. If you've got a hiccup, God can deliver you from that. He's not a judge. He's a savior, and I want to share him with you. Come on, somebody. Are you ready? You be seated. The Bible says the Gibeonites align themselves with God's people because the adversary had come against them. I mean, they, they were smart. You got trouble? 
Find you somebody that can be a help to you. The Gibeonites realized, you know what? The God of the children of Israel, the God of the Hebrews, he's never failed them. He's brought them through famine. He's brought them through drought. He's brought them through attacks and war. They've even seen the sun and the moon stand still by the spoken word of Joshua. I want what they got. And the Bible says the Gibeonites align themselves with God's people, hungry for what God was doing in the Hebrews to do also for them. Can I pause right here and say the word of the Lord tells us that God is no respecter of persons because without him, every one of us are nothing. But with him, we have a hope, and it's called heaven. And without him, nothing is possible. But with him, all things are possible. And he loves each and every one of us. Celebration began to take place all throughout the camp of the Gibeonites. We've aligned ourselves with the Hebrews We're sharing in their celebration. We're rejoicing in their rejoicing. We're dancing with their dancing. I don't know what's protocol, and I apologize for this next thing. I probably shouldn't even do it because I'm probably going to lose you, but... I need a volunteer. Can one of you guys help me? You want to help me, class? Hey, they all sold you out on the second row there. The Gibeonites, now you're the good guy. I'll even let you be the good guy. I'm the Gibeonites. I'm Johnny come lately to the show. But man, you, you, you've walked through the flood, the fire. You've been through the famine, the drought. You've seen it all, been through it all, had the t-shirt for it all. And so you're celebrating Jesus. What, what? There you go. What, what? Huh. Just do this. That's what Jesus would do for you. I'm the Gibeonites. Man, you got to keep doing it, man. Come on. This is jogging for Jesus. Their God's never failed them. Their God's never let them down. I owe some of that. I don't know everything, but I like it. I don't understand it all. But I like what I feel. Keep doing it. Don't stop. I'm a lot older and I'm, I'm still doing it. I'll need oxygen later, but I'm okay now. What's going on? The Gibeonites looked at him, the, the Hebrews, and they thought, this is what I want. I want that peace that passes all understanding. Thank you, boy. You may see it. 
I couldn't preach another minute at that mask. <laughs> but the Gibeonites looked at the Hebrews. I want what you have. I want what makes you smile when I know every day hadn't been perfect. I want what you have that gives you pep in your step when there's been pain and peril and problem in your life. I want what you have. And the Gibeonites joined in. This is awesome. No more enemies to worry about. No more bad guys to struggle with. It's going to be tiptoe through the tulips. But the Bible says, the enemy yet came again. And this time, reinforced with five enemy nations with them. If it was a problem before, imagine the problem it was when five other nations joined in. But I've joined with the Hebrews. I'm at the house of God. I come to church or I tune in for church on Sunday. I'm not supposed to have a problem. It don't look good. You struggled with one. Now you've got five. What am I going to do? You see, the enemy wanted to put fear in the heart of the people of God and those that were identifying with the family of God, walking in that journey with the master. That is what exactly the enemy has been trying to do all of last year and even launching into 2021. Fear, panic, peril, pandemonium. What's going on? I want somebody to turn to somebody and tell them this. Numbers, numbers have never intimidated God. You thought it was bad when one was against you. Imagine the bad feeling when five joined with that one. And now you are supremely overwhelmed. Hell thought, I've got them again where I want them. But what usually happens when hell thinks they've got the church where they want the church? It's not the, the devil's day. It's not the enemy of the church's day. It's just a greater opportunity for God to showcase his glory, his anointing, and his faithfulness upon the family of God. Come on, somebody. Get ready. Get ready. God wants to pour out his spirit. God wants to do the impossible. God wants to do the supernatural. It doesn't matter how many may be against you today. It doesn't matter how big your enemy or your trial may be today. Somebody hear me again. Numbers have never intimidated God. What does the Lord say? Here's what the Word says. If one 
can put a thousand to flight and two, ten thousand. Stop counting who ain't here. Stop focusing on how deep your valley is. Stop wrestling with what is against you and begin to realize God's getting ready. God's getting ready. God's getting ready. But you see, too often we think we can only dance after something good has happened. We can only celebrate after we got a good feeling. After they're rocking and rolling for Jesus in the music. No. We understand this. We're two or three are gathered in his name. There he is in the midst of them. What, what county is this, Brother Norman? County. Clay County. I'm, I'm going to speak a little crazy and a little bold. Let's raise our elevation. God's bigger than liberty. I believe God is waiting for somebody, man, I feel the Holy Ghost. God is waiting for somebody. Brother Meeks, I, I don't feel it, but I'm going to faith it. I can't see it, but I'm going to trust him. Because God's got a power and a promise that transcends just liberty. What's going on? There's enough Holy Ghost in this room right now to run every devil in Clay County out of town. There's enough Holy Ghost in this room right now to chase every issue and every problem out of here. What's going on? I'm not going to focus on what's against me. I'm going to focus on my God who is for me. I'm drawing to a close. The Bible says David ran into the valley. To confront the giant with great expectation in his heart. He didn't go into that valley hoping or thinking he would win the fight. He walked into that valley expecting to win the fight. Because he knew the God that had given him the lion and the bear was a faithful God. Can I tell someone here today, you will never claim your throne room avoiding your giants. While David marched into the valley, an army sat immobilized by what was against them. An army of trained soldiers, warriors armed to the teeth stood Frozen in place because of what was against them. And here comes little old David. I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't think I can wear that, that, 
that shield, carry that shield, and I, I don't think I can, I can even pick up that sword, but I do have a slingshot that's been time-tested and proven true. And I do have a God who's never failed me. Read that story a little bit. David didn't go there to fight Goliath. He just went there to bring his brother some food. But he heard the giant. Wait a minute. Is that devil telling me and every one of my people that we can't have revival? Wait a minute. Is that devil telling me that the anointing of God is not for us in 2021? Is that devil telling me because of problems in politics and riots and rebellion and pandemics and everything else, we can't see a move of God? The Bible says David ran to the valley. Because he knew in whom he had believed in. So we stand to our feet today. Never allow what stands against you to keep you from what God has for you. I was... Catching a flight to California, your, your home grounds. And it was an early flight. I mean, one of those red, red eye, those red eye flights. They're early. Yeah, it was actually like two or three in the morning, something real, real, real crazy, insane, ungodly early. I'm, I'm headed to California for revival, but. At the moment, all I wanted to do was sleep. I mean, come on. Even Jesus slept. I got on that airplane after going through all the check-ins and securities and all this. And I finally found my seat and I sat down and I closed my eyes and I knew I've got, I've got three or four hours. Man, I'm going to sleep and it's going to be great. It always happens when you got plans and you got things figured out you think God seems to have other plans I was sitting there going to sleep because I can sleep before the plane even takes off it don't, it don't matter to me my wife it's a whole other story but I can sleep On the other side of the, the plane, on the, on the other aisle, across the aisle, excuse me, and about two rows back, there was an older gentleman who was trying to control himself but wasn't doing a good job, just overcome with emotion. All I wanted to do was sleep. There was a problem there. I didn't know what it was, and I had about a 
you know, a cross-country flight to deal with. I had revival to get ready for. I ignored it. I'll be honest with you. I ignored it. I, God, touch him in Jesus' name. I'm going to sleep. You know. And uh, God wouldn't let me. He said, tell that man. I hadn't spoken a word to that man. I didn't know that man from Adam's house cat. He said, the Lord said, tell him he's going to hear from his son in about seven days. No, 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 no. I'm not stepping out on that limb. I mean, I, if y'all hadn't noticed by now, I'm just me. I'm going to be real. And I tried to go back to sleep, but, you know, God's, he's in charge in case you hadn't figured that out. He nudged me again. He said, I said, go tell him. He's going to hear from his child in about seven days. Everybody else was sleeping. Come on, God. I've had that conversation with God a lot of times. Well, God, they, they got it easy. And just like my parents, but we expect more out of you. Finally, I very quietly because I don't want to disturb anybody and you're somewhat unsure of that limb you're stepping out on. And I uh, I leaned over, I got down on my knee and leaned over to the guy and I said, I see that you're, you're upset. I don't mean to get into your business and, and, and I'm not trying to, but I feel like the Lord, if you don't mind, wants me to tell you something. He said, he, he, he wasn't speaking a whole lot. He just, yeah. So I leaned over and I told him, I said, I feel like the Lord has told me that give or take a few days, a little while, between now and whenever you're going to hear from your child he looked at me and he said how do you know I said sir I don't know anything I said I'll make a confession my God actually told me to tell you you're going to hear from your child in seven days he lost it tears rolled down his face I live under this conviction because this man, the second time in my ministry, he turned to me a stranger and he said, you're the man I've been praying for. What am I going to do with that? I said, sir, I don't know anything about anything. But God wouldn't let me go to sleep because he wanted you to know you're going to hear from your son in about seven days. He began to weep and sob. He said, I've been praying for direction. I've been praying for an answer. I've been praying for some help. 
He said, every, every day before I go about my business, whether it's traveling or going to the office, my wife and I at the breakfast table, we, we pray. He said, you don't understand. Our child is involved in a cult. And we can't reach them and they won't, they won't let him reach out to us. And we're in fear of his life. And he said, every day at the breakfast table, my wife and I, we, we pray and we pray and we pray and we pray. And he said, this morning, this morning, my wife just hit the breakfast table. And she said, I'm tired. I've prayed nicely. I've been emotional. I've been without emotion. I've been angry. I've been frustrated. I've been everything that you possibly can be praying for a miracle. And it's never happened. She said, I'm beginning to believe prayer changes nothing. And he said, my wife told me today before I got on this plane, if I don't hear from God in seven days, I'm done with him. If something doesn't happen in seven days, I'm giving God seven days for a miracle. And he said, I've been desperate and he said, and here you come up to me and you tell me that a stranger, you said God told you that in seven days you're going to hear from your son. Sir, you're who I've been praying for to speak that word into my life. with every eye closed and every heart open in this house. How many's walked in here today? How many's tuning in this morning? And you're at the end of your rope. How many's in a place where you thought everything was going to be perfect, but it's just been one more problem after another? Are you ready for God to step into your situation? Are you ready for God to move into your need? He's bigger. He's bigger. He's bigger than the issue. as you lift your hands all across this house. These altars are open today. If you want to step out and find a place of prayer. God has walked in here right now. 